I'm Michelle. And I'm Lucy. Welcome to another Cameo episode. These very short episodes will be slotted in between the other ones and will cover people who made a fleeting yet tantalizing appearance in other episodes. We don't always have a lot of information about them, so they can't have a full episode of their own, but they're too interesting to abandon completely, and they fill in the gaps and enable us to create as full a picture of the era as we can. And today, Hugh Dennis. Whoever Hugh Dennis is. <laughs> well, the first thing I'll say for English listeners, he's not the comedian Hugh Dennis, who's <laughs> the, who uh, is in the Now show. He had the honour of being the very first groom of the stool. Oh. It's in the Guinness Book of Records as such. Oh. Hmm. And he shouldn't be confused with the more famous Anthony Denny, who was Henry VIII's groom of the stool, which... It's sort of why we're doing this is because I did confuse them. I thought, <laughs> ah, it's him. <laughs> but it turns out to be a very interesting job description. And you would think he'd be influential considering that position. Well, yeah, his role was certainly more than just chatting with the king while he was at his ablutions, so to yes. speak. <laughs> and anyway, he might not have been alone with the king then. There might have been a whole gaggle of councillors with him at that time. Oh, can you imagine? I don't want to imagine. Please don't make me imagine. No. <laughs> it's very alien to us and not a little unpleasant. Yes. Wow. And then you got the exact opposite of that, which is in Japan for Japanese princesses. They used to have like a little orchestra playing off to the side so nobody could know what she was doing. And here you've got Henry with like a whole bunch of... <laughs> Martin Luther did the same thing. He'd be going to the bathroom and have people wander in to speak to him. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> Maybe it's us. Maybe we've got too squeamish about these things. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so either. <laughs> but it was Dennis's responsibility to monitor what the king left him and discuss it with the doctors. It's <laughs> <laughs> so diplomatically put. <laughs> I don't know if that was what every time or just a bit, you know, a bit dodgy. And I don't know what they did with their findings. I can't imagine Henry VIII changing his diet because... No. You know, that's... I don't know whether Henry VII listened to advice from his physicians. We know what was required of Dennis from the Book of Nurture of 1452. It's a great book, that. Which gave advice for the office of a chamberlain. Another name for what Dennis did. Quote, See the privy house for easement be fair, sweet and clean, and that the boards thereupon be covered with cloth fair and green, and the whole himself, look there no board be seen. Thereon, a fair cushion, the ordure no man to vex. Hmm. Hmm? There, look, there be a blanket, cotton or linen, to wipe the nether end. And ever he calls, wait ready and prompt, basin and ewer, and on your shoulder a towel, unquote. So at least he washes his hands. <laughs> yes, I suppose. <laughs> yes. I love the way it started off rhyming with clean and green and seen, and then, and then it lost interest in that. <laughs> Vex, end, prompt, and towel. <laughs> but he does at least give us an idea of what Dennis's role entailed. But obviously that wasn't all he did. I mean, quite a cushy number of <laughs> he had to turn up for that. He was responsible for the bedchamber as a whole. He had to make the bed and bathe and dress the king. So he must have been a dab hand with the old aglet. Yeah. We haven't heard about aglets for a while. Then he'd be around all the money that Henry kept under his bed. Coming to that. Oh. Ah. 
And the bathing might consist of wiping the king down with a cloth while he sat in a dry bath lined with blankets. Because yes. when you see pictures of people and it looks like they're sitting in a bath, there's probably no water in that bath. No. It was often quite, you're standing in a, a barrel that's covered in cloth yeah. so you don't get splinters and they, they basically sponge bath you. Yeah. Yeah. Or there was dry bathing, which is just vigorously wiping down the body with a linen cloth. That was dry bathing. Because we haven't gotten quite to the point in time where they think bathing is bad for you. That comes with Henry VIII's time. Henry VII, still, they would have enjoyed actual baths, soaking baths every once mm. in a while. Because the king, of course, could afford to have people heating the water and bringing yes, it to his that's chamber. Yes, <laughs> Everybody else had to make do with sort of a, 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 a cold water pour over the head to rinse yourself kind of thing. But they did bathe. They're not filthy like people seem to think. No. Dennis was born in Middlesex in the 1440s, the son of Maurice Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> he married Mary Ruse, which was a real step up, giving him links to the Beauchamp. Beauchamp. I never know whether they call themselves the Beauchamp or the Beechams. Oh. We've got a place near here called Hatch Beecham, and that's Hatch Beauchamp, but it's Hatch Beecham. Oh. And they'd been the Earls of Warwick and also to the Tiptofts, which Ooh. is a slightly more dubious pedigree. Yeah, I, think. I don't think you want to, you know, scream that one off the rooftops. No. <laughs> and what I found very strange was that Dennis's role was not just as a personal functionary, but it was also financial. Okay. Henry VII changed the setup of the court. Yes. Whereas before there'd been two departments, the Lord Steward Department for dealing with provisioning and the Lord Chamberlain Department, which dealt with ceremonial matters. To these, Henry added the Privy Chamber, which was headed by Hugh Dennis. This later got subdivided again in Henry VIII's time. It might have been that since Henry hadn't been groomed for monarchy, maybe he just found the constant on show a bit trying. Irritating. Yeah, and sought to create a more intimate chamber around him. Mm. So the Privy Chamber, namely Dennis, dealt with both the king's body and his private life and also had control of the king's purse, what would later become the Privy Purse. Wow, and Henry gave him that power. Yes, and a lot more. Wow, that's crazy. This, as is so often the case with Henry, took on a more sinister turn later in his life. <laughs> It was up to Dennis to take the money that you saw in Bray's episode had been siphoned off the bonds and recognizances extracted by Dudley and Empson <sighs> and to pop it in that chest under Henry's bed. <laughs> and it was described in the account books as, quote, fines assessed by the King's Highness, unquote. Dennis then invested this money in property in his own name, but for the King, not for I'm, himself. I, I'm just holding it for you. Yeah, well, the king must have had complete trust in him. Yeah. A, that he'd invest it wisely, and B, that he wouldn't go slipping 10% in his back pocket. Or walk off with it entirely. Although, I suppose you can't at this time, because the king cannot take anything he wants, really. That's true. Everything's the king's. Yes. Henry, Henry's decided, isn't he? Yes. But there was no documentation to clarify that the land was held by the king. Wow. He didn't write up a huge contract or any wow that's a surprise then uh, maybe there was a contract between the two of them which 
I've not Is come it? across. Existing. But it's not in the deeds of the of the property or anything. Wow. If indeed they had deeds then. I'm really shocked, actually. I'm it's really quite... shocked. Well, this is at the beginning where he's happy. He's still got his children and his wife and was um, considered a jovial king at this point. Yeah. Hmm. And although it's assumed that most of the properties bought by Dennis were for the benefit of the king, it might not necessarily be the case. Because there's no paper trail, we can't be certain. But it may be that some of the properties were for other people. And in fact, it's thought that at least one of them may have been purchased for Edmund Dudley. Oh. Which made me wonder, why did he have to buy it in what was effectively a false name? Was it to avoid tax? Or for some, was there some reason why the owner wouldn't sell it to him? I don't... Well, I wouldn't have sold anything to Dudley. <laughs> no. No. We can only guess that, Dud that Dennis was known to be an exceptionally honest and reliable person. Yes. Yeah, there must have been people saying, well, if you wanted this done, get a, go to Dennis. He's, uh, he's the easier man. He's utterly trustworthy. And all this shows that the coffer under Henry's bed wasn't bursting at the seams with coins, but the money was being sensibly invested in what would have been seen as the safest asset, land. Unless, of course, you were tainted, in which case you lost it all. <laughs> <laughs> but the king's not going to be tainted. And some of these properties Dennis must have bought for himself, including Portpool Manor, which he bought from the de Grey family, and which must have been quite a good purchase since at this time it was beginning to be tenanted by lawyers and was soon to be known as Grey's Inn, one of the inns of oh, court. Oh, one of the inns of mm. court. Yeah. And I'm assuming he was buying it for himself because he bequeathed it and several other properties in his will to Sheen Priory, unless this was yet more elaborate financial wheeling and dealing that I haven't quite grasped. And his will was exceptionally complicated. It took five years of legal wrangling to sort it out. Wow. Nothing went, nothing went quickly. <laughs> no, I just, I just thought it'd be a nice little earner for his tenants in Gray's Inn. Yeah. I, I sent you a picture of Hugh Dennis. It, it, it's not a great picture. <laughs> no, I, no, I could have drawn that, I think. I, yeah. It's, it's it, very simple ink drawing it looks like somebody's relatively early attempt at a cartoon yeah he's looking to the left he's got quite a nice straight hairstyle down to his neck the, this is part of a larger picture which shows all the people standing around henry the seventh's deathbed oh just a moment after henry's death when a servant is closing the king's eyes yeah you can just about make that out. Like everything else in Henry's life, including his private ablutions, his death was a very public affair. Because I I counted 14 people there, including there's Bishop Fox in the back there wearing his mitre. One of the others may be Thomas Wolsey. Others are names okay. I haven't come across or only in passing. Because the gentleman standing on the left holding the flask, it's probably a urine sample, you know what they're like. Yes, <laughs> that's the doctor. Yeah, he was Henry's physician, Giovanni Battista Boerio. Matthew Baker is there. He was one of Henry's cronies from his exile in his Brittany days. Gentlemen Ushers, John Sharp and William Tyler and others. I had assumed it was going to be a sort of roll call of all the episodes we'd done. Yeah, and it's not. No, but several of them were already dead, I suppose. Others just weren't there. Margaret's not there. No. When Henry VII died, Dennis continued to work for the court, but not as groom of the stool. Instead, he held a number of positions. He was an Ulnager for Oxfordshire and Berkshire, 
so he would have been assessing the quality of woolen cloth. He was a verger for Windsor Castle, so he would have had that oh-so-useful job of carrying the verge or rod before the bishop mm -hmm. or whoever was presiding over the ceremony. He was a gabler, which was a tax or rent collector. Oh, so and he, he was loved by everybody. <laughs> and he was a gauger, so he'd gauge the measure, measure of goods carrying duty, like alcohol. Mm. Similar to what Caxton was doing in Bruges, I think. Yes. He was an usher at the receipt of the exchequer, which was effectively a bouncer. Do you call them bouncers in Canada? The people who kick you out if you're being rude, yes. Well, that's what he was effectively was. He endowed the sheriffs of the various counties in one at a time. Oh. Yeah, we only use bouncers at, like, clubs. Tell yeah. us how many people can go in and then kicks you out if you're bad. Yes, they always have to walk as if they're carrying two buckets, don't they? Because yes. their muscles on their arms are so yes. big. They've been working on their lats. Yeah, I don't know whether um, Dennis was like that, but that was his job to stand at the door and tell them, no, nope, you yep. wait there. Mm. Wait till he's finished. But he wouldn't have had much time to enjoy these posts since Hugh Dennis died on the 9th of October, 1511 just two and a half years after Henry VII. And he was buried at Sheen Priory. We come across Sheen Priory quite a lot. Yes, we do. Maybe we should do an episode on Sheen Priory. <laughs> just, just a roll call of all the people we've spoken. Yeah, that's where Perkin ended up when he yes. jumped out the window. And Christopher Eswick willed his money to them as yes. well. Interestingly, following the dissolution of the monasteries, which included Sheen Priory, his bequest had to be reallocated. And that's an aspect of the dis dissolution that hadn't really occurred to me. There must have been thousands of bequests that had to be reallocated. Yeah. Dennis's fund was sent to Magdalen College, Cambridge, in the form of a benefaction or scholarship. And okay. it's, it's still available today. Really? I don't think you'd know you're receiving Dennis's benefaction because it's been subsumed into a sort of general fund, but it is uh, still there. Wow. No, you don't say, oh, I'm one of Dennis's scholars. <laughs> no, no. But I mean, the amount of money that he would have given now would be like $5 for towards <laughs> a scholarship. So I can see why it's been sort of grouped together with a bunch. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We don't have a huge amount of information about Dennis, mainly purchased documents for properties. But what we do have shows how very different a man's career could be at that time. He wiped the royal bottom and he invested the royal money, and I think that's quite strange. Yes, that's very strange. <laughs> it is. So that's him. Interesting. Uh, weird. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't the direction I was expecting it to go in when I started researching him. No. I don't know what I was expecting. I thought, well, we can't really do half an hour just on him dealing with what he had to deal with. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't expecting him to be uh, investing... No, we've like a property. financial aid for him, mm. or financial advisor. Hmm. Interesting. Yep, I thought so. <laughs> we've stopped again. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and Thank goodbye. Thank you for listening. <laughs> goodbye.